Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! <laughs> I won again. I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Shout out to our super producer, Casey Pegram. Shout out to our super producer, the one and only Max Williams. I'm Ben. I guess I should I should come clean. I, I put off some dental work during the pandemic. And when I when I came back to the dentist chair, whew, it was a trip, man. Well, I put on some weight during the uh, pandemic. Is that the same thing? No, I know it's not. Uh, but it's common, right? People let things go during these uh, quarantine times. And dental work certainly is one of them. I think we've, I don't remember which show it was on, but we've talked recently about, I'm Noel, by the way, uh, dental. I know what it was. It was, we did a Stuff They Don't Want You To Know episode mm-hmm. recently about the uh, kind of weird world of dentistry fraud, which is kind of a thing. And this sort of rolls into that. There's some dentistry fraud going on in today's story but also some weird historical kind of positive things that came from this fraud. Uh, What are we talking about? We're talking about the life of uh, a dude named Painless Parker. That was not his Christian name. Uh, We'll get to that. Uh, His name is Edgar Parker. That's what he was born in 1872 as. But yeah, this guy was basically what you might call a a circus dentist. What does that mean? (laughs) Well, we'll tell you. Yes, circus dentist, and it's a phrase we can back up. This this entire <laughs> this entire circus uh, comes about because when Parker opens his practice back in 1892, it's not an immediate hit. His business is struggling a little bit, and so he figures he has to do something else, and he starts thinking outside of the box. That's what leads us to. Uh, real-life dental circus. Uh, as we dive into the story, I want to point out we're getting a lot of this information uh, from several sources. 
Smithsonian Magazine in particular, with the great title, Remember When Teeth Pulling Was Fun, uh, Mm -hmm. as well as Mental Floss and the Santa Cruz Sentinel. That's right. There's also a New York Times article, Was Painless Parker a Vaudeville Joke or a Real Brooklyn Dentist by Michael Pollack, and a series of books written by Peter M. Poynich and Arden G. Kristen, who are dental historians. Um, Just wanted to knock that out here at the top. But yeah, it's true, Ben. Um, So this guy, Edgar Parker, he studied dentistry at what today is Temple University. He was born in New Brunswick, Canada, in the town of Tynemouth Creek which is on the shores there of New Brunswick, Canada. Edgar Rudolph Randolph Parker. He's got a Rudolph and a Randolph there just to just to be safe. But his family was uh, very religious and he was um he entered into uh, initially uh, for school Baptist Seminary at St. Martin's and he was he was actually expelled uh for what was referred to as unchristian-like behavior. Um, He had also spent some time as a sailor and apparently cursed like one while in in seminary. That that is is my uh, conjecture there, but I can only imagine what the sailor-like behavior that led to him being expelled from seminary might have been. It could have been um, anything. Really could have been. Blue jokes, you know? Right, Mm -hmm. right. Maybe, I mean— yeah, there there are a lot of things that would have sounded absolutely normal to us in 2021 that may have been, you know, absolutely scandalous for him to say during this time. So he he is terrified of going back home to his folks and saying, I got kicked out of seminary. Yep. Instead, he, he becomes instead he discovers his hustle and it's a hustle that he'll have for the rest of his life. He becomes a door-to-door salesman, and his boss directs him to never, like, never leave people alone until they buy something from him. And his father eventually catches up with him, 1889. He is not over the moon that his son has become a door-to-door salesman rather than a preacher. So he drags him home. Kid's 17 years old, runs away again. He goes to sea, catches dengue fever. He's yeah. dropped off in Barbados. That's the diarrhea one, right? That's that's like the yeah dengue fever. Uh, that you may be thinking of dysentery, maybe. Oh, what's the, but I thought dengue fever had something to do with like. Uh, uh, no? It can give you uh, bleeding, flu-like symptoms, and rashes. Okay. Okay. So no, not, not necessarily the diarrhea. Sorry. Thank you for uh, setting me straight, Ben. <laughs> no, so he's, he's, he's now stricken with this uh, unfortunate illness while in the midst of trying to get his life back together, I imagine, right? Yeah. And the doctors who are taking care of him impress him. You know, he feels like they've saved his life. He feels like this may be the most important vocation in the world. And so when he gets back from another misadventure, he asks his parents, "Hey, can I, can I be a doctor? I think that's you know, I think that's my path forward in life." But what do his what do his folks do? Well, uh, they were not a family of particular means. They thought it was a little too pricey to go to medical school, but uh, they figured they could you know spring for the next best thing, uh, which was sort of an emerging uh, field at the time, uh, the field of dentistry. Um, which he uh, later, um, according to a, a fabulous article in the Santa Cruz Sentinel, Santa Cruz, he also spent some time there. It's going to come up in our story soon. He referred to it as the noble tooth plumbing profession. Plumb the depths 
of, of the, the noble tooth. Um, so he enrolled at an initially New York College of Dentistry. He, again, didn't have very much money. He had just enough to pay for tuition, but didn't really have enough to eat. So he kind of had to figure out a side hustle to, to make ends meet. And so he, I don't know if we mentioned this, but the school of uh, traveling salesmanship that he ascribed to was sort of that like stick your foot in the door and don't take no for an answer situation. So he essentially adapted that uh, mentality to a door-to-door dental practice before he'd even gotten his uh, credentials which was very common at the time. Many of the dentists that were practicing were unlicensed uh, mm-hmm. because there really wasn't a whole lot of official oversight yet because it was a relatively new field. And uh, preventative dental care was really practically a, a non-existent thing. So he ends up going to Philadelphia Dental College next. This is prestigious. This is the second oldest school of its sort in the country. And, you know, as you said, Noel, that's now known as the Temple University Maurice H. Kornberg School of Dentistry. Mm -hmm. Santa Cruz Sentinel asked the dean of the college, Dr. Amid Ismail, uh, how Parker was during his time there. And he said Parker was a, a terrible student. And that he only graduated because he literally begged the dean at the time to pass him, which I didn't know you could do. Yeah, it seems like this was a very tender-hearted dean, you know, to be. I've 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 never gotten out of any uh, college failures by begging. I or or maybe this guy's gift of oration was just so profound. That it worked. He's been door to door. He was almost a, well, he was almost a preacher. So maybe just leverage those skills. Anyway, fast forward. He's 20 years old. He graduates, uh, as I said, 1892, the same year he opens his practice. He returns home and he thinks, okay, I'm going to do things differently. I'm an innovator, he's saying to himself. What is he? What does he uh, innovate first? No. Well, first of all, I want to point out one thing that I think is really fascinating about his time as a as a door to door dentist. Uh, and by the way, he also opened up his very first office before he even finished dental school properly, like on 17th and Broadway in New York. But when he found a procedure that he didn't have the skills to perform, he promised to come back later. And the indication there was that you know, once he got to that chapter in the in the textbook that he was studying. Because again, very, very early, not a whole lot of technology really involved in, in dentistry and certainly not very effective pain management, you know, uh, medications and, and the like. Um, so yeah, we've got uh, him finally getting out of school at the age of 20 in 1892. He comes home, he hooks up with a druggist, a guy by the name of George Mallory. And I think you're talking about innovations, Ben, and, and I was talking about the lack of, of pain medication. We don't have Novocaine yet for quite some time. But uh, we, you may know that um, cocaine was a hell of a drug then as well as it is today and was used in the dental profession. It was actually used for quite some time. Uh, they called it pharmaceutical-grade cocaine, and it was something that um, you would find in dental offices maybe even as recently as the 1980s. 
But he and George Mallory, the druggist, tinkered around with a formula and ended up with a diluted solution of cocaine that they called hydrocaine. And it is considered the kind of precursor to Novocaine. And, and it was a very, very modern innovation for the time. And so it came to pass that Parker was prepared to be on like the bleeding edge of dentistry. The bleeding but as I gum? Said at, at, but as I said at the very top, nobody showed up to his job. It, it was like the, the nicest restaurant that no one ate at. And so he was worried that maybe some, maybe there are hints that maybe his reputation for being kicked out of seminary had something to do with this, or maybe that was just all in his mind. He said, okay, I've got to, either way, he decided he's got to be embedded in the culture, or he's got to be embedded in the society around him, rather, right? Because usually people like to work with folks they already know. So he starts going to church not just on Sundays, but twice on Sundays. He's trying to really show out, you know? He wants to be the honor student of the church, I guess. He's sitting right in the front. He's singing. He's passing the collection plate. He's got a huge Bible that he carries around everywhere, but no one one goes to his practice. There are other dentists around, or they are just afraid of dentists. His profits after three months are something abominably low, like 75 cents. And he goes to his pal Mallory and he's like, hey, what the heck, man? And Matt, we're paraphrasing. Mallory says, oh, you know, people are afraid of dentists. If they find one they trust, they stick with him. And the town's long established dentist had cornered the market. And that's part of what we're talking about in the stuff they don't want you to know episode, because it can be an inherently uncomfortable proposition the trust people have for dentists they know can be pretty powerful. Yeah, it's true. I mean, even though like most of the work is done by like hygienists that kind of rotate in and out. I mean, I guess some have like a smaller staff, but uh, that matters. That final little inspection, you know, from the dentist or like, you know, the main procedure they kind of give their sign off on, even if they're not the actual ones digging around in your mouth the whole time, um, that relationship matters. And I think that's something that Parker really understood that they, that he needed to find a way to kind of take the fear out of dentistry. And he, he did a thing that was probably the most bizarre and extreme version of that proposition that I could imagine. And by the way, I want to give huge thanks and and credit to the Santa Cruz Sentinel author, Ross Eric Gibson, um, for a very, very cool article in the paper called Painless Parker and the Showmanship of Dentistry. And that showmanship evolved, but it began with something quite simple. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sort. High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone, goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again! Platoon, present cell phone. High Five! High Five! Casino! Casino! Win at High Five Casino.com! High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino! Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. 
So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car. I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonnevilles. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running, but it it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, You know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The idea of soliciting patients at the time was considered unethical. It's real catch-22. It's really interesting, right? I've got no patience. No one knows about me. My competition is is uh, is cornered the market, and yet it's unethical for me to solicit or to advertise for my practice. But he decided, you know what? Screw it. I'm, I'm in a rock and a hard place. Like you said, Ben, I am going to put myself out there. And he dubbed himself, he gave himself a moniker that he thought would really sell his practice. And that was the name Painless Parker. Because at the time, these offices or these practices were called dental parlors. They were, again, mostly uh, staffed by unlicensed dentists, and they were pretty unsanitary. There, There wasn't any standard of sanitation or sterilization yet. And this stuff was painful. They didn't have his uh, watered-down cocaine solution, I don't imagine. Um, So he figured that painless moniker was really going to get people in the door. And he claimed that he could uh, extract a tooth for 50 cents, uh, and it would be painless. And then if it wasn't, he would pay the patient $5. $5 that he admittedly did not have. So, yeah, he also we should point out, paid for that sign, that painless Parker sign, in dentures. He didn't have the money to pay the sign maker, so he gave the sign maker a new set of dentures. Yep. And to be honest with you, this cocaine solution, hydrocaine, didn't always work. 
Nice. Sometimes, sometimes Parker would just say like, hey, do you like whiskey? And then give them a glass of whiskey. Either way, the narcotic did tend to work. And soon he was making hand over fist money as a traveling dentist. And he would, he would particularly love to borrow a nearby rocking chair for his patients so he could lean them back and work on them. And then he started becoming a, he started becoming a character. You know, he, he knew that he had to be memorable in the public eye. He had to somehow succeed against the intense dislike people had right. of dentists. So he went big. He got a white coat and a top hat, and then he would put planted, he would gather an audience, right, by a wagon, just like you would imagine a medicine show. And then he would put plants in the audience. I mean, people pretending they didn't know him, not like a good elephant ear or something a ficus and, or something yeah right. you know what it makes me think of it makes me think of the um the, the 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 regular the real life incarnation of the wizard of oz and the wizard of oz movie what was his name like dr mysterio or something like that right a um, medicine show yeah it was yeah but they, they had like he had like a big uh wagon with his logo painted on the side and would peddle these you know tonics or whatever like uh mystical cures and you know, they called them snake oil salesmen because they were rooted in hucksterism and it was you know there was no truth to any of the remedies i mean he was offering a service that right. was real and i mean and he was offering a narcotic that would hopefully help numb the pain because let's just remember cocaine is a numbing agent or can be a numbing agent and that was how it was used but apparently also like this, this comes a little later but he uh he would sometimes not even fully inject the tooth he would just sort of squirt it on there on the cavity um i think probably because he was trying to conserve his supply uh, I'm just guessing there, but um, yeah, yeah, it's true. He was definitely like on the street corner with his top hat, kind of like making a big song and dance out of this whole thing. And it worked. Yeah. 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 Let, let me go back to the plant thing. Cause it's very important. First it's, it's unethical. We can agree, but he, here's what he did with the patient or his fake patient, his testimony right. patient. They would pretend to pull out a molar and then show the audience, hey, I, I've been hiding this tooth. This, this extraction from Painless Parker was a breeze. And then a brass band would start. There would be people <laughs> dancing and contortionists. And then this guy would be, you know, step right up, step right up. Painless Parker, uh, 50 cents an extraction, $5 if you feel an ounce of pain. And then while he was pulling the tooth out, uh, this is so crazy, he would... He would signal the band to reach a crescendo. And so as this person was screaming, if they were screaming like, oh, God, you said it wouldn't hurt me, you son of a... Then it's like... Brass bands are loud. Yes. Definitely could drown out some screams. I do wonder, how did he get away without having to like pay out five bucks every time he had to stamp his foot for the brass band? Presumably because someone was like, you know, screaming in agony. I wondered about that too, Noel, because as we'll find, he did make some enemies. He did oh, not God, yeah. get away unscathed here. Uh, that that answer, I don't know. It's tough. It gets. I wonder gets if close that was an early. Here. I wonder if that was an early part of his gimmick, and then when he brought in the brass band and the contortionist, maybe he abandoned that part because he had enough bells and whistles to bring people without the money back. Yeah, that's, that's that must that's, be it. 
It must be. Because he's got so much overhead now. He is. And again, this is the time when he really started kind of like being a little bit uh, cheap when it came to doling out that sweet, sweet, you know, tooth juice. He would occasionally only squirt it on the tooth or he wouldn't inject it at all. Or like you said, or just like give him a little bit of whiskey or squirt it in the cavity. And even when he injected it, 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 like you said, sometimes didn't work. But still, against all odds, that brass band, man. That did it. That was more of a a helpful distraction, I think, than the pain medication even. I think the whole circus of it all gave people something to focus on uh, outside of um, the nasty business of going to the dentist. And let's not forget, too, people that are at the point. This is actually actually probably also a good um, potential answer for the $5 back guarantee. People that are getting to this point where they're going and seeking out a dentist are already in horrible pain. Right. I mean, this would have been a time where they would have let it go to the point where they're just like dying. We've had tooth problems in the past, both of us, I believe. And and when it's bad, you'll do anything, you know, you'll do anything to get it to get it taken care of. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, you know, just for context, at this time in history, the vast majority of people aren't really going in for checkups. Right. Like you said, no preventive preventative dentistry. But here's what here's what Parker has done now. He's he's made his profession a spectacle. And now people are responding to a social event that they attend together. Part of the fear and the pain uh, for people when they visit the dentist is it's you and one other person in this room. Right. But now you're seeing people say, look, he pulled my tooth out and it's fine. And you don't know they're lying. And there's a band and it's awesome. And people are all cheering. Oh, and you get this really cool, if I may, Max, fanfare whenever the, the tooth is successfully extracted. Like, 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 okay, it's like, it's like we won the, the level in Zelda, you know? I mean, you're like, it's, it's, it's this, this whole cue that everyone's like, the tension's building, and then, da-da! And there the Zelda is. soundtrack is based on Parker's band. It's that true. Is true. It's true. That is, Nintendo that absolutely. is a huge fan of this. Historical fact. But this wasn't, this didn't last. He had made this... You know, honestly, he had to to some uh, in the dental profession as it was starting to become more. I mean, it wasn't let look, he went to this university that was very much a serious dental university, uh, Temple, what was then what is now Temple um, in Philadelphia. So, you know, dentistry was beginning to become a serious profession. And those who took it seriously really resented Parker. So, you know, he was the subject of lawsuits. He was the subject of a lot of negative talk uh, in in the press even. And he eventually decided, you know what, maybe this is a little too much for me. So he went to Canada, uh, the west coast of Canada, and tried to turn this whole thing around and become one of those, uh, you know, legitimate dentists that hated him so much in Victoria. And he set up shop there with a regular old dental practice. And then he got in trouble because he did not have a local license. So it didn't matter if he graduated from this prestigious university. He needed local accreditation. And so he has a brief adventure that I would love to read as a comic book graphic novel spinoff. For part of 1892 into 1893, Parker lives in a place called Sitka, Alaska. He is the state's lone dentist. 
the dentist of the frozen frontier. I can see it now, you know, I can feel some epic music there. Uh, <laughs> his parents and sister, meanwhile, they move to Brooklyn. And in May of 1896, he goes and visits them. And he's still, <laughs> he's still very budget conscious, right? So he's like, I don't know if I can afford someone to play the horn for me for my right. act. So maybe I can learn to play the cornet myself, but it, it doesn't work because he needs to focus on being a dentist. I think. Totally. And he also apparently has no inherent musical talent whatsoever. Um, and, you know, is caterwauling away on this cornet and uh, a neighbor woman who's practicing the piano bangs on the door and says, who's making all that racket? And a reply comes from within. This is from that Santa Cruz uh, Sentinel article as well. A reply comes from within. Oh, that's my brother, Painless Parker. And and wouldn't you know it, Parker and the complaining pianist eventually get married. It was that's what they call a meat cute right there. That's a meat cute. That is. He opens an office in Brooklyn, but he's still struggling to just to make rent, much less make a profit or save mm -hmm. some money. The guy who's collecting his rent is a guy named. William Beebe, or Beebe, who said, quote, look, Parker, you're being a dope. There are lots of Dr. Parkers. He was calling himself Dr. E.R. Parker at this time, but there's only one painless Parker. And his this guy tells him, you know, if you go back to doing your circus stuff, you'll be a millionaire. And a million dollars was a lot more money back then as well no joke and this guy bb beeb it's got i don't know let's let, let's standardize bb what do you think ben i like calling him the beeb let's call him the beebs uh, so the beebs um uh, he's got a name for it he it turns out used to be a manager for the pt barnum circus or barnum you know you know the the biggest the greatest show on earth and all that and uh he knew this exactly the kind of background that uh, that Parker came from. And he was like, what are you doing, man? You were a sensation. I know it was, uh, I mean, Barnum was always a little scandalous when he'd come to town. And uh, the Beebs saw that kind of spark in Parker. Um, and he said, you know, what are you doing, man? You got to go back to being the greatest dental showman, you know, uh, around. And he was trying, Parker was trying to, you know, turn his ways around, I guess. Um, I don't know that he had shame about it, but it does seem like from his trajectory, Ben, especially that weird sojourn to Alaska, like he was struggling with it a little bit, right? With yeah. um, his his own sense of self. Like, what am I? You know, he had a, a identity crisis or something. He's like, am I just one of the rabble? You know, do I just want to be one of the, you know, the, the dental herd? Or do I want to, like, be something greater? And uh, he sort of lost sight of who he was for a while. And now this guy, Beeb, is, is helping him find that again. Yeah. And so he gets pretty... It gets, it gets weird. He's back to he's back to being this showman, like you said. He's got his he's got his outfit on again. Picture the you know the circus ringmaster and the tall hat, the long tails, and uh, you know the somewhat grisly addition of a necklace made out of teeth, uh, which was uh, somehow not creepy to a lot of people. Uh, and then they he and William the Beebs made a genuine circus they had acrobats they had jugglers 
Parker even rode atop an elephant a time or two. And this, this changed the game for his office. All of a sudden, waves of people are coming in. He's booked to the gills. He has to turn people away. We've got no room for more clients. He ends up renting. He goes big immediately, renting six more offices. He hires other, no offense, Parker, slightly more legit dentists to run these offices. And he pays them more than they would wor make working somewhere else, but they still don't like him. It feels bad. They they feel like the money is is somehow dirty because of the the spectacle Parker is associated with. People see him more as an entertainer in some circles, or uh, than a dentist. And other dentists, you know, other dentists, it's no secret they they seem to look down upon him pretty severely. Yeah, and, and uh, speaking of the Beeb, um, I just want to point out this wonderful article that we cited at the top of the show from the BBC, a.k.a. the Beeb, Painless Parker, part dentist, part showman, all American. And you can see a wonderful image of that uh, tooth necklace, and it is absolutely uh, macabre. Um, yeah. and, and this article is James Bartlett kind of uh, talking through the legacy of Painless Parker, and it's an excellent read. But he basically just ups the ante on the smaller kind of medicine show that he was doing before. Yeah. I get he must have gotten some investment. I mean, I, I think he had had some success up to this point. So maybe he had some money squirreled away. But um, it seems like he really did take it up to the next level. Like you said, adding acrobats and magicians even and, uh, and a live animal. I mean, this really was like a traveling circus. And it made a ton of money. An absolute mint uh, and and really paved the way for what would ultimately become a dental empire for Painless Parker. Oh, yeah. Empire is not a hyperbolic phrase to use there because he was the first person to do this successfully. But he wasn't the only one. There were other people who would follow in his path. They would try to, you know, they would try to have a little bit of theater and spectacle uh, to mm -hmm. get people into their doors. But because he was the first, he was also the most famous. And he didn't get a lot of, this did not make him the bell of the dental community ball, but this did bring him a lot of money. And as Michael Pollack points out, writing for the New York Times, he had the, he, <laughs> he had all these kind of corny, highly alliterative uh, phrases, these slogans that people mm -hmm. really love. Proclaimed by public, press and pulpit, pain this Parker <laughs> is positively perfect. Like, yes. Notice how he had pulpit uh, thrown in there? I wonder if that was yes. a reference back to his old, uh, his old Bible thumping days. It makes it sound like there's a preacher who uh, everybody comes in on their, you know, in church on some Sunday, and this guy stops for a second and says like, Today's sermon is brought to you by Painless Parker. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and dude, I mean, this building, it really is. In that New York Times article you mentioned, Ben, uh, this building, it's its a huge building, by the way, oh, yeah. um, in, in, in Brooklyn. And there is an image on the article, uh, courtesy of the Museum of the City of New York, that shows these slogans that he just had all over the building, like covering every flat kind of like uh, paintable surface. And at the top, it says, I am positively it. And the it is like three stories tall uh, in painless <laughs> dentistry. And apparently he would, I mean, his showmanship when it came to like advertising for his practice, really there was no, um, 
no end. Nothing he wouldn't do. There was no end to it. He, you know, what, what is it? Fly men or spider human men? Flies. Like, human flies. Human flies. They're kind of an old school thing with dudes that would like kind of scale tall buildings in New York City or, or you know, other big city skyscrapers. Uh, and he would have those dudes like hire them out and have them scale his building and particularly scale that uh, it um, which is the highest point of the building. It literally goes to the very, very, very tippy top. So he knew how to draw a crowd. Uh, that's for sure. <laughs> there would, yeah, there would be tightrope walkers that would have, that would be, you know, doing the tightrope act, but they'd also be holding a sign like, I'm going to Payless Barkers. <laughs> and this, this is brilliant marketing. So customers also eventually fill up his new expanded office, that huge building, and so he gets a horse-drawn kind of flatbed with a dentist mm -hmm. chair for his <laughs> traveling shows, and he keeps this bucket of teeth close at hand so he can show it to people, probably while he's still rocking that necklace. And over time, we have to point out, he deserves this to be pointed out, over time, he has become a competent dentist. You know what I mean? He was rushing there in the sure. beginning. And that is not, that's true, but he's become a competent dentist. And unfortunately, his marketing and his PR has made people in the dentistry community and other communities always dismiss him as Correct. a flim flam guy, a con man. But he is at this point, a dentist who would be considered legit in his time. And he's also not even practically not even the one that's doing most of the work. He's got like a team now working under right. him. He's a, a brand 15, name now. Yeah, he's a brand name. Exactly. Like a 15 licensed dentists, uh, many of whom, uh, you know, according to, to various accounts that we've read, very much resented working for him because he represented this thing that we've been talking about the whole time, this kind of bastardization of the noble profession of tooth plumbing, right? But there, there they were because he paid well and he was kind of the the biggest game in town. So he essentially started uh, in the Santa Cruz Sentinel article refers to it as assembly line dentistry. So he really does have like a system. They even had these like pulleys with like clotheslines where they'd send the receipts to the cashier, you know, like zip line it over to him. And by the early 1900s, by 1900 in particular, he had five branches uh, throughout New York City and also in uh, upstate New York, uh, in Albany and in Troy, and all told was making five grand a day. This deserves an inflation calculator. Oh, that's a good one, Max. That was a good, that was a good uh, Yeah, that's some Tuvan throat singing, I believe. I love you're it. studying, Max. Uh, here's the result, folks. $5,000 in 1900 would be worth $160,235.12 today. That is a ton of money to be making every single day. Uh, this, this goes on for a while. And, it's, you know, it's successful. And the Beebs, by the way, is still, is still very much in the mix until 1904. He passes away. And then a few weeks later, Parker himself contracts typhoid. Mm. And at this point, we have to ask ourselves, and this is purely speculation, but we have to ask ourselves uh, whether Parker felt he had sacrificed financial success for professional reputation, because you can get a sense of how severely people dislike him. Like as as Pollock points out 
there's a 1910 article from Hamptons Magazine that describes his the Painless Parker building, Leslie, right. at the junction of Flatbush Avenue and Pacific Street is a gigantic brownstone building that fronts Brooklyn's busiest square. This building, emblazoned with blue signs, is a monument to the colossal and blatant self puffery of the most notorious of all the swindling tooth tinkers. <laughs> it is the original headquarters of the most conceited charlatan that dental quackery has ever known, the Citadel of Painless Parker, the drum corps dentist. The drum corps dentist. Wow. Harsh, bro. Harsh. And this is 1910. So this is published five years after he sold his stake in the business, hightailed it to LA with his family, to retire at, get this, the ripe old age of 35. You lucky son of a gun. L. I mean, I guess, you know, in the same way that inflation calculators work, it sort of works for age, too. 35 (laughs) in 1910 would have been more like probably 50 in terms of life expectancy uh, today. Maybe not. I I don't know. But it is funny. He definitely made a mint and then was able to, to... you know, take off to L.A., but the showman's, you know, you can take the man out of the show, but you can't take the show out of the man, can you, Ben? You can't do it. High Five Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas, and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonnevilles. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running, but it it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, You know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. 
Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. He got the itch and realized that there was a market to be cornered in on the West Coast for circus dentistry. Yeah, yeah. This actually, this kind of sounds fun. Uh, so you go to Santa Cruz and you, you would see a, a parade in the morning, then a, a series of shows in a tent that was a kind of a hybrid of circus acts, mm -hmm. but then also featured Parker coming out and telling you how to have good dental hygiene. Right. <laughs> and then saying, by the way, anybody got a sore tooth? Because I'm uh, I'm right here. We got the I got the bucket. You can see the necklace. This is what I do. Uh, it works again. He's on to something. By 1912, he's got another empire started or a franchise at least. He's got what five five different offices in five different towns. And Ben, you make a really good point. You know, he is giving lectures on dental hygiene, which is pretty forward thinking, despite you know his reputation as being a charlatan. I mean, he did seemingly have a bit of a head start on this thing that we think of now as so important and honestly the most important part of dentistry. And uh, in the uh, BBC article that I mentioned where you can see that fantastic image of the, the tooth necklace, there's an advertisement that says this, fixed teeth stay fixed longer when kept clean with painless Parker tooth powder or paste, the product of 50 years experience. Wait a minute, but he is 35. I don't understand. Uh, the product, okay, so maybe there's still some charlatanry going on. The product yeah. of 50 years experience, none better, ask your druggist. And Ben, you were just in Philly. No, you went to some museums, but I don't imagine you went to the uh, Kornberg School of Dentistry Museum, which sounds pretty cool. I love weird old medical uh, tech. And I love, uh, I love old medical tech. I also love museums about very specific things. Mm -hmm. That's, I don't know why. Just like uh, I love reference works about very specific things. This Philly's got some weird ones. They've got the Mutter Museum, which uh -huh. I think is a lot of weird taxidermy and like medical appliances. And there's a few other kind of very specific ones in Philly too, for some reason. I got, you know, I, I got lost in the Philadelphia Museum of Art. It's just wonderful. It's labyrinthine too. So you can find so many amazing things. But yes, I will put this on my list for what I return to Philly. Also, Parker is taking better care of himself at this point in his life. He stops drinking, he stops smoking, and he, he's focusing on this uh, showmanship. Eventually, he says, you know, I need to pay, I need to be more mindful of bacteria, right, and contamination. So I'm not going to do these sidewalk demonstrations anymore. And he starts screening educational films about dental hygiene in his office and people are always invited to come in for a free checkup but like like we said before man he's made some enemies because we we mentioned especially in you know those earlier times uh his dental extractions often were not painless right and there were people who felt they had been swindled 
Uh, they felt they had been sold a bill of goods, and other dentists were aware that there were angry patients. The American Dental Association even called him a menace to the dignity of the profession. Yeah, because Parker really had this kind of checkered legacy, where on the one hand, he was seen as this charlatan and this kind of snake oil salesman, but on the other hand, he definitely developed some techniques and some kind of forward-thinking ways of looking at uh, dental hygiene, right, that that you know kind of persists to this day, and also not to mention the idea of a precursor to Novocaine that he kind of just invented, uh, more or less. But uh, the former dean of the uh, Temple University, Maurice H. Kornberg, School of Dentistry, Dr. Ahmed Ishmael, makes a really, really good point that I think is one that is is good to leave with today, Um, that he, quote, serves as a warning to consumers even today. Scientific evidence must remain the foundation of clinical care in any health field. Otherwise, we will be victims to modern charlatans. So I think it's no accident that that museum we're talking about still has on display that bucket of teeth and that uh, weird macabre tooth necklace and uh, keeps the memory of Painless Parker alive. And there are other aspects of this story, little facts here and there that give you even more of a sense of of Parker's life. He legally changed his first name to Painless, for example. That's right. And his contributions are, you know, undeniable, even though he could arguably be called a con artist at different times. Uh, I, I love the point that the dean makes there because it's, it's an important one. And if you'd, like to, if you'd like to learn more about why this point is so important, I would recommend checking out our episode on Stuff They Don't Want You to Know called Stuff They Don't Want You to Know Goes to the Dentist. We found there's a lot of opportunity for bad actors when they have somebody in a vulnerable position like this with uh, with the power imbalance, because, you know, the dentist knows what they are doing, but the patient doesn't really know what know what's going on in there. Totally. And the reason he changed his name, by the way, to Painless Parker was because of a new law that uh, came about in California preventing dentists from practicing under anything but their real name. <laughs> Right. Um, because they believed that uh, Painless Parker was uh, false advertising, not only because it was a pseudonym, because it promised painless, um, you know, dental procedures. Uh, so that's why he changed his name. But he was so very much part of the zeitgeist at the time that just a couple of years before he died in 1948, Bob Hope played a character in a movie uh, called Paleface with Jane Mansfield named Peter Painless Potter, who was a kind of a huckstery snake oil dentist. Um, and Parker, you know, lived to see the picture and uh, loved it. Apparently, and also it gave him a little more publicity, which uh, you can't you can't buy publicity like that. No such thing as bad publicity. I bet Parker believed Uh, he probably did. He probably did. But uh, that's not a statement everybody agrees with. We also want to give a shout out to Michael DiTola, who was himself a dentist, who helpfully points out that Parker was at one point in his career, quote, more famous than the president. Mm hmm. It's yep. pretty crazy. Yeah, it's I mean, yeah, at least he didn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> he like probably said it and then had somebody else. He put a plant in the crowd. But Did we mention that the dentists have a particularly 
unusually high rate of suicide, uh, particularly in the medical community. There's a, there's a couple stats from success.ada.org. Apparently male dentists have the highest rate of suicide within the medical community at 8.02%. And then female dentists who have the fourth highest at 5.28, doctors 7.87, pharmacists 7.19, and nurses 6.56. But yeah, 8.02% for, for dentists. It's apparently a thing. Not to end on a, a down note, which we won't, but um, there's a, a really, if you want to explore this trend in any uh, more depth, um, there's a great article on Vice, Are Dentists Really More Prone to Suicide by Elizabeth Brown? And they quote a, uh, a dentist saying, well, you're in a career where nobody wants to see you and you're the last place they want to come back to and it's depressing, um, which is something that Painless Parker, I think, was trying to, you know, turn on its head a bit, right? Yeah. And this is a this is a statistic uh, you'll see bandied around in various forms. Uh, the the doctor you quote makes a good point about this. I didn't include it in stuff they don't want you to know's episode on dentistry because we didn't, you know, want to focus on the tragedy of suicide. There is some sand to that research, however. Let's end on some maybe some weird, slightly uh, fun slash gross dental facts. Did you know that there are people getting tattoos on their caps and crowns? Tooth tattoos? Why? They can't do it on real teeth yet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's okay. I guess that that's wait. So is that sort of like uh maybe the equivalent of getting like a gold grill or like a diamond encrusted tooth or something like that? Yeah. Sort of the vanity uh, area of dentistry? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I've also seen this thing, uh, or I've seen reports of this thing where people are getting their teeth like colored or decorated the way that you would uh, fingernails through some kind of some kind of process. It's not permanent, at least as far as I know. But here's a cool icebreaker you can throw out there next time you find yourself in the dentist office. Uh, the average person over the course of their life apparently spends 38 days total brushing their teeth. Well, uh, hopefully uh, all of us who have maybe let some of that dental upkeep uh, fall by the wayside during COVID can look at that as, a, as an inspiration to change our ways. Ben, I want to end with one uh, more fact, if you don't mind. Uh, the comical dental fact is that uh, cotton candy was invented by a dentist. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> the 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 literal like bane of of dentistry uh, was invented by a dentist. This dude named Dr. William James Morrison, who uh, Mental Floss described as being a man at odds with himself, because not only was he in the dental profession, he also had a sweet tooth and was sort of a fair, uh, you know, part time confectioner. Um, and and while you know what you would call candy floss has been used for generations uh, in various cultures, um, what we would think of as the type of machine spun sugar, cotton candy, uh, was in fact debuted at the 1904 World's Fair by uh, a dentist. Thanks so much for tuning in, folks. Hope you enjoyed this one. Thanks to our super producers, Casey Pegram and the one and only Max Williams. Max, what's your, we forgot to ask you at the top, what's your, what's your take on dentist? Do you, you are you a are you an ardent fan of dentistry? So I have a story in the past where I went uh, a little too long without going to the dentist. Like, I, I'm not going to say how many years it was on air because it's that bad. But uh, no, dentists, they're, uh, they're fine people. I don't like them, but they do an important job. Well, you, you mean you don't like having to go to the dentist. You're not saying like when you find out a friend is a dentist, you're like, oh, forget it. This is 
Oh, no, no, no. I am saying that. Oh, wow. No, it's deal breaker right there. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much to Jonathan Strickland, a.k.a. The Quister. Uh, Thanks, as always, to Gabe Luzier, our research associate. Uh, And thanks to all the dentists out there. Uh, You're doing good, profound, uh, and often thankless work. And, And, you know, in addition, the people get ignored often. Thanks to the dentistry assistants. Thanks to the hygienists. Thanks to everybody who makes good teeth possible. Including including you folks. Let's all remember to brush. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. High Five Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas, and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop.